thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right, hey everybody. It's not our normal music. I mean, it is our normal music, but we like to start the show on an upbeat, you know? Because we believe in cheering you up. Yeah, we do. And anyway, I want to thank you for joining us tonight on Bible News Radio. We have a very special guest who is here tonight that I actually met in person a couple of months ago. I think it was a couple of months ago. Bareface and me, we were at a, a local networking group, and my guest tonight was the speaker. Yeah, he was. He came and he spoke. He's a body language reader and mind hacker. Yeah, he is. And he can tell when you're lying. Yep. So tonight... I thought that it would be fun to have him talk to you about his new book, The Mind Hacker's Guide to Detecting Lies. And not only that, but my ear thing just fell out, people. Wait. Put that back in there so I can hear it. He also has another book called The Mind Hacker's Guide to Selling, The Science of Easily, Ethically Influencing the Human Mind. Mm-hmm. Yep, so if you're one of those people in direct sales or you happen to be a business owner and you need to figure out how to sell stuff, that book could probably help you too, just so you know. So tonight's show, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be, um, <clears throat> hopefully, hopefully it will give you some, mm, I don't know, if you're like me, you like to, you like, you like to read people, you know, my background as a therapist, I learned some stuff in that and. And uh, I, in his book, there's stuff in there that made me go, ah, you know what? That, the myth about when a person does that and they're lying, that's not true. It's actually a lie. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, my guest is James Springer, people. Yeah, he is. And, and he's, he's a tough guy. Yeah, he is. He looks tough. But I think deep down he's a teddy bear inside. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of my friend uh, um, Mike, the FBI guy at Pickleball. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that reminds me. I gotta ask him a question. I gotta ask James a question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and write a note to myself so I don't forget it. All right, all right, that's it. Okay, welcome everybody. So if you're on Periscope, say hi. If you're on YouTube, say hi. If you're on Twitch. Mixer and Facebook. Check in with us, say hi. And during our show tonight, what we're going to do is we will scan all of these platforms that you're on and we will ask your questions of our guest in the event that you have any, which hopefully you do. Don't worry, he can't see you, which means he can't read your body language and detect if you're lying or not. Uh, but we might be able to tell from the tone and snarkiness of the text that you correct right here just so you know okay so be very careful hello man and hello Gina 
and Jimmy. Okay. And I don't know if anybody else is anywhere else, but they probably are. All right. So let me see here. Let's go ahead and say hi to a couple other people. I want to log in over here on YouTube, see if anybody's watching yet. Mm-hmm. Barb is over there. Barb. Hey, Barb. I bet you're going to enjoy this, Barb. <laughs> Barb is awesome. I love Barb. Barb. Barb is very brilliant, actually. You should never mess with Barb over there on YouTube. All right. And if anybody's on Facebook, I think we can go say hi to people on Facebook and all of that, too, as well. All right, people. So the name of the book, the brand new book that uh, James Springer has written tonight is called The Mind Hacker's Guide to Detecting Lies. How to instantly, accurately recognize when someone is lying. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so so we're going to bring James on right now. So come on the screen. Be there with me. There you are, right there. You're there, over there. So I want to welcome you to the show, James. Glad you're here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Are you telling the truth? You know, could be. Yes, famous. I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could do like a million bad jokes about lying and deception, but I won't. I'll try to hold back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So I didn't get, I intentionally didn't read your bio because it's kind of long. Uh, so I, you know, obviously the first. It's because I'm old. That's it. How old? Well, I won't say how old I am because then you'll feel young because uh, <laughs> you, you won't feel as old. Uh, but, uh, but I know you're a coach, you're an author, obviously, and you have a very interesting background. So please share that with everybody. Okay. What you feel comfortable well, with. My background business wise is, uh, I started out, uh, in sales when I was pretty young. I, I started out as a design engineer and decided that the company that was selling me my products, uh, knew nothing about what I did. So I went to work in sales and, uh, then I moved into owning a, a company that sold computer systems and uh, built my first million, million dollar company by the time I was 28, first multi-million dollar company by the time I was 34, retired when I was 34 years old. And uh, then very quickly lost all of my retirement money in the stock market. So I had to go back to work. Hmm. And uh, so I, I went to work for uh, corporate America trained salespeople for, for years, managed salespeople. I was over the course of my career, I've been responsible for uh, probably somewhere between a hundred and $150 million in sales wow. and uh, got tired of the corporate game. I, I was diagnosed with diabetes and uh, was morbidly obese. And so I was forecast to die in about five years when I was 45 years old hmm. and uh, dropped out of corporate life, decided I was going to go out and, do something on my own, get away from corporate America, started a painting company, was in a really bad car accident, had sustained a, a brain injury. And uh, that's when I got excited about learning about the human mind because I wanted to know what was going on in my head. Hmm. I was also diagnosed with a major mental illness. I have bipolar two disorder. Uh, and so I needed to know what was attacking my brain. And so I got very excited about learning uh, about the human mind and how it operates, what makes it do what it does. And uh, so I got into all different aspects of the human brain, which is incorporated in my first book, the, the mind hackers guide to selling, <coughs> excuse me. 
as I started studying uh, the the five core uh, methods that I that I talk about in the book, uh, I decided I learned basically what I what I was what I was learning in the in the in the book was that all of the things that I had learned applied directly back into what I had been teaching in sales. And so that's why I wrote the mind hackers guide to selling and started teaching and training salespeople based on those four keys, which are uh, body language or personality profiling, body language, uh, deception analysis, micro expression analysis, um, and persuasion and influence linguistics. So that's where the, the mind hackers guide to selling came in. I wasn't teaching funnel management and funnel building and all that stuff. I was teaching basically high level interpersonal communication skills training. That's so cool. So that's, that's where I got into all of that. And then the deception, the, the mind hackers guide to detecting lies is basically expanding on the one key in deception analysis. Yeah. So, so the whole de- idea of deception is tied into sales, isn't it? Uh, it's tied into sales, but it's tied into everyday life. It doesn't matter whether you're a, a single whether you're a parent living with children uh, or if you're a spouse living, you know, at home just with a couple uh, or if you're a top level executive in a large corporation, it, uh, it applies in all areas of life. Yeah. Okay. So on a serious note, that would be the court of, well, it's not G cause G is high. So what would it be like E minor? Um, a, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Randall's like going to throw something at me. Bitcoin private key, key hackers. Okay. No, that's not the same thing, <laughs> but anyway. Okay. So let's talk a little. Okay. So you have quite the dramatic background. First of all, I think, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty impactful to me. I mean, first of all, you know, earning so much money and retiring young. I mean, that's pretty cool. Not everybody does yeah, that. It's pretty I, cool. Right up to the point that I lost it. Yeah. Well, Okay, but but wouldn't it didn't it tell you that you could do it again, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I I just recently read a book called The Slight Edge. Have you read it? No. It's by Jeff Olson, and he basically starts the book out by talking about how uh, he was homeless and broke, and then uh, well, he talks about two men, one who was homeless and broke, and one that became a millionaire, and and anyway, it ended up being him, and he and then he decided that he was going to study uh he tried to figure out what the difference was between people who became really wealthy and people who didn't go anywhere in life and he discovered the slight edge which is simply being able to do things consistently successful people do consistent things that unsuccessful people refuse to do you know like you talked about your weight issue um you know you're frozen hopefully you're not gonna okay you're not frozen okay you're back anyway so yeah hopefully so like successful people who can lose weight they are cons losing the weight isn't the issue maintaining the weight is the issue like cleaning a house right cleaning a house is a piece of cake keeping it clean me and bareface have that problem right i mean let's just admit it we this is what we do okay we will do our dishes and put them in a dishwasher and they'll get clean and then uh, because we're knuckleheads, we will take the dishes out of the dishwasher one at a time as we need them, and then they get dirty, and then we put them in the sink. Yeah, we do. And then it ends up being a big stack in the sink. 
instead of being smart about it, take everything out, put it away, and then use it. Then we have the dishwasher that's open. That's what we do. Okay, just saying. And it's because it's it's easier to maintain when you take everything out, put it away, and then, you know, all that. So so with um, your background as, as a salesperson, you know, you had this big success, but then, you know, you also fell into an issue where you were hurt and then you have a, uh, you were diagnosed with um, bipolar too, right? So that got you curious about the mind, correct? Correct. Okay. So, but let me ask you something. Were you, weren't you curious about the mind when you were doing sales or did, you, did that come naturally to you before then? To some degree, I, I did uh, personality profiling for a long, long time. Uh, before any of this other stuff came up, I was, I was always curious about, you know, why people did the things that they do, but it, pretty much personalities were the, were the limit that I had pursued. Um, because that's basically the, 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 the gateway to, to everything as far as, as far as I'm concerned is, is the core of, of how people behave. It comes down to their personality type. And so I had done that for years. So what kind is what? Okay, so are there like four basic personality types? Or four basic personalities. Yeah, I, I use the DISC method, which okay. is I D I I and S and the C. Uh, so that's the the method that I use because it's quick and easy. Uh, I can make a quick assessment on someone. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not as good as giving the personality test, of course, but uh, I can make a pretty quick assessment on a person's pri primary personality type. Uh, with pretty high degree of accuracy. Yeah. So what's mine? Um, I haven't talked to you a lot, but I would guess probably high I. Um, just from what little I've talked to you, uh, if I was if I was in an interview situation with you, it's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, I could get a pretty good handle on you pretty quickly. Would that be intuitive? Um, yeah, the, the high I is a high energy person, uh, very extroverted, uh, very people oriented. Uh, that's the this kind of person that's a high I. Ah, you know, what's really weird is years ago when I was in grad school, I actually took these tests and I fell 50, 50 on introvert, extrovert. Really? Mm -hmm. I do not like being around people. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I am I'm, I'm very I am extroverted. It's very true. And I am I love people, but I don't like being around them. <laughs> it's not awful. Um, <laughs> it's 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 not totally true, actually, which you probably knew because you could tell I was lying. But um, bad joke. But it's it's actually true. I do. I am a outgoing introvert. Really? That's not uncommon. Yeah. It's not and, uncommon at all. And it's not uncommon, actually in sales is what I've learned. I've know a lot of people who do sales that, that are high energy, but then they need like me, I would rather be behind a book. Just saying, I spent a lot of my life in a book and I love books. I'm actually writing a book and it's like, give me a book anytime. You know what I mean? Which is why Bye. I interview people about books. Okay. So the brain science that you talk about in the mind hackers guide to detecting lies, a lot of your book actually talks a little bit about that, but let's go and talk about first um, the the statistics regarding lies. Right now, we all lie when we sleep right. at night, right? Yes, everybody lies. That's right. A hundred percent of us do. One hundred percent. 
<sighs> so even babies lie in their cribs at night. Do yep. they really babies babies lie or are you just being a funny a like absolutely, I was? Absolutely babies lie. Okay, explain it. A baby lies when when a baby's first born, they'll cry when they're hungry or they'll cry when they're hurt. Mm -hmm. But they learn very quickly that crying equals mama comes. And so they'll feign crying to get mama to come even when they're not hungry or hurt. That's a lie. Okay, so what's the technical definition of a lie? Anything that's not the truth. Defined by who? Well, I mean, truth is truth and a lie is a lie unless the liar believes the lie. Gotcha. So you enjoyed the show Lie to Me, didn't you? I loved that show. <laughs> I have, you want to hear something funny? I have it on DVD, actually. I, I believe you. <laughs> I have a... <laughs> I uh, when I was in grad school, I'll, I'll I'll tell you a true story. You'll love this. Okay, so I was in grad school, get my master's in clinical psychology, and I my one of my very first internships was in a transitional living home for women of domestic violence, and you know, and every other thing out there. I mean, there are prostitutes, you know, drug addicts, victims of violence, old people, cancer. I mean, it was just everything that the place that I worked in would do, and. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was an intern. As an intern, you don't know what the heck you're doing. Just so you know, newsflash people, that's why interns are cheap because they're training and they have to report to the superior supervisor who's got his license already. But anyway, so I was running this group and I had um, this group of uh, people who, who were snowing me and I did not know it. I seriously was so naive. I had no idea that they were like playing me like a fiddle. And there was this one woman, I'll never forget. She was, um, I, I wanted to hit her. I really did. I was like, oh, I just want to hit this woman. Because she just kept interrupting everything. And like when I'm supposed to be in charge, reading, leading the group, I just wanted to, you know. And I thought that she kept, she was lying to me the whole time. I, I And I knew it. I could tell she was lying to me. And one day... She, she started telling me this memory that she had and she went on and on and on about it and everything. And I'm sitting there in my mind and I'm thinking, what a load of crap. You know, this is BS if I ever heard it in my entire life. And I had just seen an episode of Lie to Me the night before. And in the, in the episode, um, the, the main character guy, I forgot his name. Dr. Lightman. Yeah, him. He, he actually, um, said, um, one way that you can tell if somebody's lying is if when they tell a story, if you ask them to repeat it backwards and they can't, then right. it's a lie. And so I thought, huh, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to say, hey, can you clarify something for me? Can you, just for fun, can you tell me your story in reverse order? Because I'd like to hear it from the other perspective. So, you know, I thought I was all cool, right? I was like in my head I was like yeah got that woman so I'm like go ahead tell us you know everybody just repeat your story backwards I'd like to hear it and um the woman got silent she just went dead silent <coughs> and I thought ah! <laughs> I mean inside I'm like laughing I'm like oh I busted you you know and, and all this other stuff and and uh anyway afterwards I mean she was quiet the rest of the group but after she came up to me she was so mad and I said, why are you mad at me? She goes, well, because I couldn't say your thing. I said, that's because you're lying. And she got so pissed off at me. 
But I thought, you know what? Thank you, Lie to Me TV show. I didn't learn that in in grad school, but is that is there truth to that? That technique? Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah. So um, it's not the highest value indicator, but it is it is one. Well, and it I mean, it makes sense, especially with memory. We all have false memory. I agree. Agree with that. I mean, when you look at the whole issue of witnesses and stuff, you know, they all see something different and and all that. But can you talk to that at all? You know, with false memories. Yeah. And, and, you know, intentional deception versus like not intentional deception. People lie. They believe it's the truth, but it's not really. If a person believes it's the truth, then they're not lying. Like okay. a false memory, a false memory, a person would be able to recur, recur or recall backwards because it's actually a, a memory to them. It, it may be a false memory, but it actually would be a memory. So they would be able to recall it. Uh, an intentional, like a, a made up memory would be, they, they would have difficulty most of the time. Like I say, it's not the highest level indicator because some people can do it. Hmm. Uh, especially somebody who watched lie to me and knew that that could possibly be something that would be asked. You know, they, they might be, they might memorize the lie both directions, but uh and, you know, it depends on the, the complexity of the chronology, too. If it's just like three three things or four things, uh, you know, it's going to be easier to remember backwards. But uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's maybe 40% indicative of a lie by itself. Um, maybe not even that high, but it's it's not nearly as high as some of the other indicators. But, you know, like, like I say, if a person truly believes the lie, it's not a lie to them. So they won't show any indicators. If you told a child from from early childhood that an ink pen was a brick, when they got to kindergarten, they would think the ink pen was a brick and mm -hmm. and they would believe it. And so they wouldn't be lying. You know, my mom told me that um, ever since I was a kid that that the reason why my hair was multicolored was because when she was pregnant with me, she dyed her hair a lot of different colors. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I actually believed that forever. I actually was in therapy and I'm happy to say this now. I asked, I, my therapist response was the same as yours just now. You know, she tried not to laugh, but she did. And I was like, why are you laughing? <laughs> she said, cause that's not true. But I mean, but it, it just goes to show you that you're right. Kids will pretty much believe anything. And I repeated that all confidently, like, like it was true. I had no idea. So right. be very careful what you tell kids, children, people don't lie to your kids. So, okay. So society lies as a whole. So like, for example, we lie about Santa Claus. Why do we Absolutely. do it? Why do we do it? Why do we do it? Yeah. I know you. Actually I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know why we do that to our kids. Um, it's fun. And <laughs> I think a lot of it is, is herd mentality. You know, you, it's hard to tell your kids that there's no Santa Claus when all the other kids in school believe there's Santa Claus. Uh, so I would say the herd mentality is a big part of it. Um, everything on TV shows Santa Claus. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is following the herd. Yeah. Okay. So in your book, you talk about um, the different types of lies that there are. And there are. I mean, we all know about the white lie, you know, but tell, right. us, tell us a little bit more about the other types of, of lies. Well, you get the lies of omission where you leave something out. Um, you've got 
the lies where you sandwich the truth or sandwich a lie between the truths or a half truth. Um, you see politicians do that a lot where they'll tell a truth and they'll slip a lie in and then they'll tell the truth uh, so that the lie is more believable. And then there's a, a direct lie or a, a bald face lie. You may, you may call it uh, where it's a, a lie of malice where you're directly uh, trying to def- trying to deceive someone. And that's the ones that, you know, you're, you really look at, have to look out for because that's the ones that are the most dangerous lies. I agree. Okay. We have this question from Oregon Patriot number one in Periscope. Uh, he says, has your guest found the Congress interesting lately on impeachment? And what does he think of Schiff and Pelosi? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't get directly involved in politics with <laughs> with deception analysis when when I talk to other people uh because no matter what I say I alienate 50% of my audience so I don't say anything directly about any one politician publicly uh I will say that they've gotten to where they don't even care if anybody catches their lies regardless of which side it's on uh so it's it's red meat for a deception analyst to watch them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I don't comment publicly on any, on any side as far as who's lying because they all lie. Right. They lie like dirty rugs, people. Yeah. A lot of them do. <laughs> well, they all do. I think they all do. But I think, I think that, um, you know, I think Donald Trump gives a lot of good fodder too, but I think, I don't know. I guess basically we just have to vote for our best liar, you know, for our favorite liar when we vote, you yeah. know, it's like, I, I, I would agree with that, <laughs> which when you put it that way, it's like, well, gee, what a choice, you know, lying scumbag but, number but since one. We've already established that 100% <laughs> of people lie. Uh, you, you know, that's going to be the case anyway. So, right. That's true. Yeah. I actually had somebody at, at pickleball when I was playing with them, they were talking about how they lie on their taxes and they were trying to tell me how to lie on my taxes. And I'm like, dude, you were in the government and you're telling me this. I can't believe you're telling me this. He's like, they'll never know. And I'm like, God knows that's, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. Sean's saying door one, two or three. Yeah, I know. Huh? Okay. So in your book, the mind hackers guide to detecting lies, what okay so you talk about the lies of omission mm-hmm. right i would have to say and confess openly before the whole world that that's probably the one i engage in the most yep a lot of people do yeah you know why though it's because of the reasons you listen to your book like you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings you want to make somebody look good you want to make yourself look good or right. you know you want to protect yourself so is it bad to lie then if you're doing it for good reasons? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, that's a serious question because, you know, I mean, the Bible says that liar, lying is a lying tongue is an abomination. So it actually does say that in, in Proverbs. But so but if we lie for good reasons like Rahab did, is it bad? It's always best to tell the truth. Um. <sighs> I mean, Andy Griffith was the famous white liar, uh, liar of omission, uh, and he had a good heart, but uh, to use a TV analogy. Um, but, you know, 
when you're lying to protect someone sooner or later, it's going to come back and then you hurt the person. Mm-hmm. So it's always best to tell the truth. I agree. Uh, but I mean, you know, there again, you know, the, the, the age old question, does this dress make me look fat? Well, you know, if you tell the truth sometimes, then you're going to be in pretty bad trouble. Uh, but if you lie and the person goes out and they look bad, then have you really helped them by telling them the lie? Right. You know, I hear you. It's, it's, it's a toss up, you know, it's whether you want to be in trouble now or in trouble later. Uh, but telling the truth is always the best option. I agree. Whether and, it's a live or a live commission. Yeah. And, but there, and, there, and you know, the thing is too, is I think that there's a way to tactfully tell people the truth. I mean, recently last year, um, I had to basically unfriend somebody who's, who had been lying to me about some stuff. Um, you know, I put up with a couple of lies. I was like, eh, I can deal with that. But just certain lies, it's like, you know, okay, I give up. This is BS and I'm done, you know. And, and and good relationships have been destroyed by it. And I don't think it's something that, um, you know, as Christians especially, we should be engaging in. He looks frozen. Is he frozen to you, bareface? Hopefully we didn't lose him. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, because my guest looks frozen to me on the other screen, <laughs> I I hope I didn't lose them. But why don't we go thank our sponsor in the meantime? Ariel Ministries is our sponsor. Yeah, he just dropped. Just so you know, he'll be back. Yeah, he will. Just like Jesus is returning people, my guest James will come back. Um. Anyway, Ariel Ministries is our uh, sponsor of the show. I hope you. Uh, I hope you actually take time to uh, go ahead and and visit ariel.org and check out the resources that they have because they're great resources. Uh, They're biblical resources, and they're written from a Messianic Jewish perspective. In fact, uh, i.e. biblical. Yeah, i.e. biblical. But Joel Kamm, you know, Joel Kamm this week uh, posted a, a, a podcast almost three hours long that he had with a guest um, and he was talking about his Messianic Judaism or Christianity, being a Messianic Jew. Um, and some of the things that he was, he was saying was really super cool as far as uh, understanding the Bible. And, and understanding that, you know, as a Jewish person, he is a completed Jew. So, um, so don't forget to go over to Ariel Ministries. Go to ariel.org and check it out. Don't forget to use the coupon code Bible News. They are sponsoring us through March. Um, due to, you know, financial issues um, everybody's having these days. Um, And so make sure that you can save some money even before, you know, that's over with. All right, everybody? Okay, and then the other thing is, if you want to donate to our show, biblenewsradio.com forward slash give is the place to go. I encourage you to donate as much as you can, uh, as often as you want. We appreciate that. And um, just want to say thank you for doing that and you're back james can you see me are you back james hello i'm here okay sorry about that no it's okay we've been having we've been having bad storms here today and my internet connection just dropped oh it's okay i know i'm in not far from you (laughs) that's right you are it's yeah it's been raining hard all day today off and on actually i think it's let up but but anyway you're back okay so um so, okay, so now what I want to do is um, 
have you give us a little, tell us some of the signs of when people are lying. Like what are some of the things that, that people do in general when they lie? Well, you want some of the most accurate uh, deception indicators? Sure. And the most if- accurate of all indicators <clears throat> is emblematic gestures. Uh, the misuse of em- or the use of emblematic gestures. Um, something like as simple as a head shake. Uh, an emblem is something that, that we do that needs no explanation to tell you what it means. If I nod my head this way, I don't need to tell you that I'm saying yes. So if I tell you that I don't, I don't mean something and I'm doing this with my head, I'm, I'm basically lying to you because I'm shaking my head yes while I'm saying no. So that's one of the easiest ways. Now, sometimes it's very subtle. I may say no and just nod my head one time or very slightly nod my head. But once you once you know what to look for, uh, it's very easy to pick up on something when someone says no and they nod their head. Yes. Um, All emblematic gestures are that way. Um, One of the most common is the use of the middle finger. People will flip people off all the time and and they'll do it subconsciously and they don't even realize that they've done it. And it it happens with uh, non-Christians and Christians as well will do this. and not realize that they've done it. So they'll, they'll, they'll like go like this or something. (laughs) They'll do like that. Um, they'll they'll scratch their nose. Um, you know, it it happens. And, And let me, let me back up and preface this. The, in the book, I talk about the three brains that we have and you, this is, this is very, it's, it's, creationist as well as you know if a person doesn't believe in creation <laughs> the oldest part of the brain is the brain stem uh, the brain is created from the bottom up and you can look at it from a baby's development the the bottom part of the brain uh, is called the reptilian brain because every vertebrate animal has this part of the brain uh, it is where all of our primal drives are stored uh, and it's uh, it has no capacity to lie The part above that is called the limbic system, also part of the subconscious mind. Then you've got on top of that, the cerebral cortex, which is the human part of the brain. And it is the thing about it is it's where all of your executive functions uh, are stored. Uh, But it's the, the subconscious mind is one and a half times faster than the conscious mind. Conscious mind is the only part of the brain that has the capacity to lie. So anytime that you, see someone lie it's because the subconscious mind which has no capacity to lie is leading the conscious mind so before the conscious mind can formulate the lie the subconscious mind will leak the truth so when a person says says no and they're nod their head yes it's because the subconscious mind has has leaked the yes before the conscious mind can say no so so that's why lie detection works why human lie detection works so when a person leaks the middle finger or leaks the nut head nod and all that, that's because the emblematic gesture slips subconsciously before the conscious mind can catch it. And that's why sometimes you'll see people do all kinds of weird things with their, with their body because the conscious mind catches the, the, the gestural slip and will try to correct it. So their head will do all kinds of weird things. Hmm. Um, another one is a one-sided shrug. Gestures are supposed to be symmetrical. So uh, uh, an I don't know is two sho- two-sided shoulder shrug. But if you see just a one-sided shrug, then that's indicative of that's a highly indicative of a of a deception of a lie, because 
it it should be two-sided so the subconscious mind is trying to shrug and the conscious mind is stopping it hmm. so you'll see a, an asymmetrical gesture um, so you know watch for those uh, as far as verbal indicators go uh, when a person drops all the contractions out of a sentence and goes to emphatic language that's that's a sign of deception Another one is deflections, and you hear this all the time. A person who answers a question without answering the question. Um, that's another that. one that. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. It, and lie to me uses that one, used yeah. that one. Um, my wife and I used to, we watched the whole, all three series of lie to me. And since I'm trained, I would tell her what was actually science and what was, what was embellishment for the sake of the TV show. So she learned a ton about deception analysis while we watched the show. And uh, we were driving to Fort Benning to see my son and my daughter was with us and my wife asked her a question and my daughter deflected it. And I looked at my wife and I said, did you hear that? And she said, you mean the deflection? <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah. And my daughter stuck her head between the seats. She said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you answered the question without answering the question. And so she was, she was busted. And so she answered the question, but I mean, it wasn't like some earth shattering question, but it was just really funny that my wife caught it. Right. Uh, but, but an example of answering a question without answering a question would be uh, if I asked someone, did you steal my pen? And they said, well, I don't need a pen. I've got a perfectly good pen of my own. Right. Well, that wasn't the question. Right. The question was, steal my pen, not do you have a pen? Right. So that would be a, decept a deception indicator because they deflected the question. So those are some of the, the top line indicators of deception. Yeah. See, that last one really gets under my skin. Not only as a therapist, you know, I mean, because, you know, when you're a therapist, you're you're trying to help people. And when you ask, when I ask somebody a question, answer the damn question. That's basically what I want to say. Answer the answer. Just answer the question. What I asked you was this. Don't answer me this some other thing. It irritates me to no end. Um, in fact, I stopped, I mean, I, I put like written questions on Facebook, you know, kind of <coughs> contextual fun questions or whatever. And I always have some smart ass go ahead and like not answer the question or they'll try to be funny or they'll give like all these other answers that don't have anything to do with the question. And it really bothers me. <laughs> and, and I've had to step back and go, look. Just relax, Stacy. It's fine. You know, this they don't understand that this bugs you, but it does bug me um, because but you're a therapist. And a lot of times just a normal person on the street does not catch the, the deflection. I think that the <laughs> question has been answered. Yeah, it's true. It, and that is true. But I think also I have a very high need for justice because of my own childhood and and my the in my childhood you know, the abuse that I went through, I turned my perpetrator in and, uh, my, my mother forced me to recant. So she forced me to lie about that. And I remember the police officer saying, I know you're lying. And as a 14 year old being interrogated by a police officer is not just a little scary, you know? And, you know, he was just like, you're lying. I'm like, have some water you know <laughs> I'm not lying yeah you are I'm like no I'm not yeah you are <laughs> I'm like of course I'm lying you have all the dang evidence but you know what you know by the you know my mom's threatened to kill me so I mean what would you do you know so so I had so I've noticed that this is a, a big 
it's a big button with me. And, you know, I've noticed in my adult life that I will put up with that much of it from people. But if they cross that line, you know, it, it's that's it. You're gone. And it's interesting, James, because um, I was just doing this life assessment thing and and they gave this list of 14 different attributes. Uh, and what we were supposed to do is circle the ones that, you know, we resonate with. And then we pared it down to, to eight and then four and then two and then one. And we were supposed to do it super fast so that we weren't overanalyzing it to death, which for me would have taken like 10 days to figure this out. I would have I've just, you know, but I literally did this exercise and probably under two minutes. And you know what my number one core value was? Take a guess. <laughs> trust it's trust makes sense yeah if you and what's surprising to me was that it, when i listed the things out trust was my number one and not even thinking about it it's like okay if you violate my trust that's it you know and i don't feel bad about it you know i mean i get that people lie about whatever you know dumb things but the big things don't do that not with right. me anyway <laughs> it's just yeah it just, yeah, if you want to see me get unhinged, then <laughs> there's a sense of justice going on. Uh, so um, what would you say, you know, um, you know, like, how can you help people? Like, how can your books help people? You know, like, why did you write the book, Ultimate? I guess that's probably the best question. Well, I think the primary reason is because everybody can benefit from knowing when other people are lying. Uh, the the ultimate goal in deception detection or lie detecting is not to catch the lie. The the ultimate goal of a deception analyst is to get to the truth. So when I catch somebody lying, it's not like I say, "Oh, you're lying." It's to to be able to back up and reapproach in order to find the truth. So you know the the benefit to being able to catch a lie is to find the truth. And, and so anybody can benefit from being able to find truth. And so that's to me, the most important reason that the book is of value, you know, understanding how to catch a lie. It, it's a two edged sword. Number one, once you learn it, you can't unlearn it. Uh, you can get a little rusty with your skills, but you still, I see it so much that I don't even pay attention to a lot of it uh, unless I'm just really focused on, on busting someone. I see them so much that I just don't even pay attention to them. Um, when I, when I first was trained, it, it would get a little frustrating to me to see people who were close to me uh, lie as much as they do. And it was hard to get to where I could just say, well, you know, it's human nature to lie and, you know, they, they don't mean any harm by it. So I'm just going to let it go and uh, move on. And, uh, you know, I have friends that lie to me all the time and, and part of them, you know, a lot of them just think that I guess they think I'm not as good as I am. And, uh, they think they're slipping them past me and, uh, and they're not. Well, um, so it's kind of a game to just see how, how much they'll lie to me and, 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 and yeah, but to be, get past me. I know, but 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 to be fair, don't you think it's unfair? 
that you know how you you know so much that, it's hard would that hard, i know that people are lying yeah it'd be hard to be in a relationship with you because you'd be like people are paranoid that this guy's reading my mind i mean i know what that's like as a therapist people think i read their mind all the time and i don't but um but like you say in your book the number one lies is i'm fine right so and i appreciate that because um i remember when i was in a, a hospital program they the acronym for fine was effed up insecure neurotic and emotional <laughs> how are you doing <laughs> well i'm fine you know right. yeah i am <laughs> i want to kill you right now but yeah i'm fine <laughs> you know right so and and i think it's funny because there's this um uh um it's culturally acceptable to to lie about how you're doing right which I find very fascinating because people like Brene Brown who talk about vulnerability and the courage to, you know, to really be and to embrace and, and all that. She, have you read any of her work? Uh -uh. Okay. You would, I think you would like it. She talks about how, um, uh, vulnerable, being vulnerable is, um, is, it's tough for people, but like she'll use the language um, of, of um, like for example, like right now, you're, I'm just using you as an example. So right now you're you're being very attentive. I'm interviewing you on my show. You're you're very serious, direct, kind of, um, not overly energetic and everything. And if I was feeling insecure, I might go, oh my gosh, James Springer is having an awful time on my show in my head maybe i'm like he thinks this these are horrible questions you know and and then i might react you know and, and just start being a bozo to you in the interview uh and i have all this internal dialogue in my head right this is what i'm mind reading you basically and so what brene brown talks about is instead of us mind reading each other which we all do horrible then we can say something like, well, you know, the story I'm telling myself right now is that you're really thinking that this show sucks right now, you know? Now, that's, that, that would be hard for me. Like, if I was thinking that, you know, that would be a hard thing for me to say. But think about that in relationship to your spouse, right? You know, me and Randall, we had a conversation recently where we had this, um, I guess it was, we were both feeling emotional about different things. And Randall said to me something, well, the story I'm telling myself right now is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's not even remotely close to where I was thinking. And then I said to him, I said, look, the story I'm telling myself right now is that you're going to die in a fiery auto wreck, you know, and you're going to, you know, I'm going to be left alone, abandoned and, and not know how to do anything in life without you. And that's what I'm terrified of, you know, now imagine, honestly, if everybody was honest about these things instead of walking around going oh i'm fine you know i think divorce rates would go down because people wouldn't irre irreconcilably you know divorce um and i also think that there the greater level of vulnerability would be there for people if it was acceptable in our culture the problem is that it's not i said a lot <laughs> <laughs> Well, number one, I am having a good time. Good. I, I, I'm smiling a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I am a very intense person. 
Uh, you're talking about personalities. I'm a high D uh, personality, almost off the charts, high D. So I am very intense, very direct. Uh, that's my good time uh, face. Uh, you know, that's my good time personality is high, is uh, direct and to the point. Uh, but uh, yes, I am having a good time. So, and that is the truth. Good. Uh, but as far as the, the I'm fine thing and the, the story, the dialogue, the internal dialogue that goes on in our heads, uh, you know, the person who asks, how are you doing? They don't want to know. Right. How you doing. They, they really don't want to know. Um, and that's one reason why people lie is because they know that the person doesn't want to know and, and they don't want a big, long conversation. I mean, if you ask me how I'm doing and I really told you the truth, it would take us five minutes just for me to tell you how I'm doing. And then, you know, then you've got to figure out what to do with that. Uh, so it's just better to lie and say, I'm fine. And I know I just said telling the truth is the best, best, uh, the best way to be. But in that case, you know, it's just socially acceptable to just lie and say, I'm fine. Um, a lot of, it's funny because a lot of times when I'm speaking and I say that a hundred percent of people lie, you know, usually I'll get one person, at least one person who says, you know, I don't lie. You know, I go to church, I don't lie, you know, or something to that nature, to that effect. And then I tell them the number one lie is I'm fine. And they'll invariably say, you know, well, we say that in church. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. You go to church and lie like a rug. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, we all lie. And, uh, and that's one of the, that's the biggest one. Yeah. I have a, I know a couple of people who, who proclaim boldly that they never lie and that they're crappy liars. And I'm, well, that's their first one. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know their lies and it's, they've been busted in them, but anyway. All right. I got a question here from Gina, Mama Gina. Mama Gina is in our chat room. She says, um, what are these personality types? I'm familiar with A, D, M, and S. What is I? Well, in the disc, in the disc profile, you have basically four quadrants. You've got, uh, the D and the I, which are extroverted and the S the C and the, or the S and the C, which are, are introverted. Then you've got the task oriented and people oriented. The, the D and the C are task oriented and the I and the S are people oriented. So an I would be a, a people oriented extrovert an S would be a people oriented introvert. A D would be a task-oriented extrovert, and a C would be a, a task-oriented introvert. So your I is is going to be more of a, a social butterfly. Uh, they're going to be very much interested in getting the attention of others. Uh, they make uh, you see them a lot of times are uh, the prom queens. They're class clowns. They're uh, they're attention grabbers, and the D's are. Uh, the people who are, uh, they, both the D's and the I's want to be up front. Uh, the, an I will say, I want to be up front. The D will say they need me up front. Um, the C is the analytical people you see them as accountants, attorneys, um, uh, forensic psychologists, uh, uh, they, they're, they're deep thinkers. They're very analytical in what they do. Uh, they like numbers. Uh, the S is the wallflower. Uh, they don't like to be seen. They don't like to be heard. Uh, they like to put their heads down and do their jobs. They're very, uh, very conscientious uh, are conscious of what people think of them. Um, so that's basically the four personality types. Okay. And she goes on to say, 
sanguine, uh, choleric, melancholy, and phlegmatic is the one you're missing. Phlegmatics, yes. So, so, so the D is the choleric, uh, the I is the sanguine, uh, the S is the uh, phlegmatic, and the C is the melancholy. Yeah, when I took the test, I was the otter retriever, which is That's the same. That, which that is, one I'm not familiar with. Well, it's uh, in the, um, I think it was a book, Randall, is the two person, four, well, I forgot the name of the book, but but the otter is the sanguine, and the retriever is the phlegmatic, I believe. And so that's that's me, the otter retriever. Yeah, I am. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. It's true, but also the extrovert thing. It's it's not spelled that way, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, generally, if you put it in the quadrants, your primary personality would be like an I or the what you said, the otter, uh-huh. and then your secondary personality <laughs> would be one of the adjacent quadrants. So you're you're retriever would be an adjacent quadrant yeah. uh, and then your third would be the other adjacent quadrant you never hardly ever cross quadrants because that would be like almost schizophrenic because you would be polar opposite personality now i will say this your personalities are contextual so you may be one personality at home but be a totally different personality at work uh, because your work demands that you have a different personality so you may be very sanguine at home and very uh, melancholy, very choleric, very melancholy at work, uh, where you have to be analytical. Hmm. Um, so you know it just depends. You know your personality varies depending on context. That's that's a good point, and I know that you, as the high D, you know you said you know you said that that you feel like uh, that you have to be up front, which actually makes you a good speaker. I mean, you're, right. you're an excellent speaker, by the way, everybody, I heard this guy speak in person, which is why I wanted to have him come up, come on our show. Um, very good presenter, um, engaging, entertaining, um, funny, you know, you have a dry sense of humor, which I can tell, which I love cause I do too. Um, so tell everybody how you can, um, you know, like if, if like, do you travel to speak or do you just, could you like, tell us how, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or whatever, they can do that. I'll go anywhere that people will let me speak. Uh, I, I like to talk to anybody that will listen. Um, but they can get me, they can reach me, uh, on, in my office at home. Uh, I've answer my cell phone to just about anyone. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times that's the people I don't want to talk to. Uh, but, uh, as anybody who has a cell phone knows, but, uh, but you can call me on my cell phone. You want me to give my number? I, I don't care to give my number. Sure. 615-388-1389. Uh, my email is james at all in a L L N as in Nancy C O M as in mary.com. Cool. I will repeat that number in a minute. But I also want to let you know if you um, uh, tell people what you speak on and stuff so that they have an idea if, if they want to hire you or, or you know, stuff like that, like what you can provide for them. Uh, I speak on basically either of my books. Uh, I speak on personality profiling. I break down any of the four keys and we'll speak on any of the four keys that I mentioned earlier. Um, I speak a lot on deception, uh, detection, uh, lie detecting, uh, speak on the personalities, um, speak on selling and, you know, I'll speak on anything about selling because I've done all of it. Um, 
And then I speak also, which is something that is relatively new for me is I speak on mental illness and, and the effects and of mental illness and how mental illness plays in the workplace and, and how a high functioning person can, a mentally ill, mentally ill person can still be highly functional in the workplace. Do you, do you prefer the term mental illness over mental health? Well, I think that they're, well, I, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I only I, I, I have I a mental illness. I don't have a mental health. Uh, my mental health is affected by my mental illness, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I see that. I understand. Where, I think I understand where you're coming from. I, I have a preference for the term mental health over mental illness. Pr- pr- primarily because um, when, I th- when I think of mental illness, I think of somebody who really can't get any help. Right. You know, um, but when I think of mental health, I think, okay, that person may be struggling a little bit with their mental health, but they're still, they're, they're still getting help for it. So that's right. It's, to me, it's just the contextual verbal mind hack, I guess, to, to make it more positive than negative in my mind. Yeah. I think the context that you're talking about is, is good. I mean, mental health in the workplace, I think, is important to from a you know from a corporate standpoint to to pay attention to mental health and in, in, mm-hmm. the, in their employees. I think that you know from a from my you know from what I'm talking about is you know when you've got someone who has a mental illness or when you're hiring someone who uh, or interviewing someone who uh, is open and upfront about having a, a mental a mental illness. Uh, that they shouldn't be discriminated against because right. you know, I shouldn't be discriminated against because I have bipolar disorder. I'm very highly functioning. Uh, but, you know, I do have my limitations on some of the things that I can and cannot do. Uh, there are days that, uh, that I have issues that have to be acknowledged. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's the important thing to, to understand and the stigma that goes around mental illness, you know, I guess you could interchange mental health, but to me, the stigma is not around mental health. It's around mental illness. True. Okay. Okay. I like that. That makes sense to me. I remember when I was in uh, college, I was in doing undergrad. uh, um, I was really dealing with a lot of PTSD. Now I know it was CPTSD at the time. I didn't realize that, that it was, that there was that particular thing dealing with, uh, the abuse from my upbringing and stuff. And I had to, I qualified for, um, uh, assistance, you know, to be able to get testing, uh, in a private setting as opposed to doing it in the classroom. And, and they put me in the disabled student, uh, you know, thing, because I have a little bit of learning disability and some other stuff. And so I saw how my college accommodated that for me. But I had to get a therapist written note to help me, you know, otherwise they would have thought, oh, whatever, you know, they wouldn't have understood that, you know, some of my meltdowns back then were tied to that. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that that would be um, beneficial in the workplace. I do, you know, because a lot of people, I mean, and I, and here's the other thing I think would be beneficial in the workplace. And I'm not sure 
um yeah i it's a fine line because on the one hand you go to a job and you're expected to to do the job you're being paid for absolutely on the other hand um um, this is where i was going to say is i think that companies need to understand that that sometimes people are just triggered and they might not know why right Right. because we all have them whether or not we want to admit it or not we do um and so i think that if people in the workplace i think of employers could understand that you know if somebody's saying look i'm having a hard time dealing with this or whatever you know i need uh you know time off or i need you know a couple hours to recoup from something so that we can have you know i can calm down my system i think that that would be um you know beneficial to everybody and i think um i think retention and and employment would be better um and honestly if there's safe zones i think it would be better um but you always have jerks too so that's kind of a problem too right okay right i I agree yeah all right so there we go okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that gina on there because i don't think people need to know that about you personally okay um but i you know i know okay um yeah so that i think that you know and i think there are people out there you know celebrities who are trying to help with that i think it, i think it come the i think i think the umbrella it seems more acceptable in is like if you're dealing with veterans and stuff like that you know people tend to have a yeah. a soft a soft heart for you know veterans who went to war or whatever and and you know I don't know. Maybe you have some. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because there's a lot of a lot of attention being drawn to PTSD right now uh, for the veterans, especially you know with you know a lot of them coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan and and the problems that they're having. I think that there's justifiably so a a lot of spotlight being put on those guys right now, and and well, well, very well deserved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Because war sucks. Let's just say it, people. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Unless you're my son and he's dying to go go fight. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, but it's a noble cause. But probably, you know, they say ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> you know, you know a little bit more. Okay, so one other thing I want to bring up. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you play poker? Um, I'm not a big poker player. But if you did, do you think you could win because of your skills? Probably. <laughs> I just had to ask because, you know. I know. Let's put it this way. Poker players hire people like me to yeah. teach them. <laughs> and, and it's one of the reasons why you see poker players sitting at the table with sunglasses on. Really? It's not because they want to be cool. It's because they don't want people to see their eyes. Okay. And that's the other thing. Okay. And I, I, I'm trying to remember, I read this in your book or if I listened to a book, because I, I listened to a book called, I think it's something about the body tells all or something like that. Anyway, it was, I was listening to it. No, maybe that was it. But anyway, the person was talking about how, um, they were trying to, um, they had arrested a guy who, uh, had some accomplices to these crimes. Um, 
but they, for the life, the guy wouldn't give up the guy's name. He wouldn't do it. And the way that they ultimately got him was by looking at his pupils because his, his eye dilation changed when, right. they, when they said, was that you or somebody else's book? Um, well, it's one of the indicators that I think, I don't know. I think I put it in the book. Yeah. yeah sure. When a person lies, their pupils will dilate. Yeah. So stand it's really close. Fight flight mechanism. And, and yeah. yeah, their pupils will dilate. The mouth goes dry. Hands get cold. Is that created? <laughs> what if they're just anxious? Will it just do that too? If it's just anxiety? No, the only reason why a person's pupils will dilate is because if whether they're excited or whether they're afraid. Interesting. All right, Randall, I'm going to start staring deep into your eyes just to see, you know, first I have to take a, a baseline though on his regular pupil size, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, that it's was not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not people. Okay, I was just messing around. If a person has icy blue eyes, you can do it a lot better than if a person has dark brown eyes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess because you can't hardly, you can't hardly see the pupils in my eyes. I have but blue a eyes. Has light blue eyes, you can. I have to keep my eyes wide open like that though, so you can see them. Otherwise, you know, they're they're more. <laughs> yeah, if you have squinty eyes, it's also different, <laughs> you know, than if a person has big wide eyes. But so just just learn people to go like this. Now, also in an interrogation, they, if you do an interrogation, if if I were doing an interrogation with someone, I would have two cameras. If you recall, lie to me, they use two cameras. An interrogator, a deception analyst who's doing an interrogation would also use two cameras, one that draws tight on the face, one that shows their body mm. uh, so that you can see the, the pupils on their eyes and their, their facial expressions up close where you can dial in on their eyes and see their pupils. Yeah. So when somebody like does like, I, I know somebody who, when they get emotional, they go like, they go like this. Right. What does that mean? They're emotional. <laughs> That's right. Actually, you won the prize, man. You did so good. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> All right. Anybody have any questions uh, for uh, my guest? Wait, oh, by the way, I'm going to tell you James Springer's phone number. It's 615-388-1389. Yeah, it is. I believe I got that right. <laughs> if not, yep. you're, everybody's going to call somebody else. Um, yeah, so call him up to get consults on how to be a better poker player and more. <laughs> No. All right. Go to, uh, and your website is all com. Right. Not I N, the letter N. Yeah. Yeah. All N. Yeah. What Bearface just put up over there. All right. Is there anything that you would like to end the show with by talking about? You know, we're kind of over time, but I don't care. Um, no, I'm. I'm good, I think, unless there's something else you want to ask me about. Oh, Sean. You had a question that you wrote down. I don't know if you asked it or not. I did. It was the poker one. Okay. But, so, okay, Sean says, okay, let me see. Let me go here. I'm going to uh, scroll back up here. Okay, so Sean wants to know what the best personality test is. My favorite is the disc test. 
Uh, it's simple, straight to the point. Um, it's easy to remember. Uh, like the Myers-Briggs is, is very accurate. It's a very good test. It's very widely used, but there's too many letters for me. I mean, I'm an ENTP, uh, which, you know, it's a lot of letters to try to remember. And it's, it's very difficult to make a snap assessment on someone where, like I say, if you can figure out if a person's extrovert, introvert, people oriented or task oriented, which you can pretty much nail down an assessment of somebody just by asking a few questions and observing the, the room that they're in, you, you can pretty much nail down their primary personality. You can't get their secondary or tertiary personalities necessarily, but you can get the primary and that gives you a big leg up on uh, if you're in sales or negotiation or just trying to figure a person out. Yeah. You know, and that's interesting because, you know, I've done sales now going on two years. Um, I guess I've always done sales really, but I mean, I'm intentionally now in the sales world with legal shield um, and I've learned through trial and error, <laughs> you know, certain things about, about people and how I have, have, how I've approached people. And it's important for me to be, um, to not pressure people. I don't like that when people do that to right. me, but at the same time, I want to, um, persuade them to get my product because right. I think the product is worthy and I think people should get it, you know? Um, so let's see here. Well, sure. if, and as far as a sales approach goes, if you can quickly assess a person's personality, your presentation should be geared towards all four personalities. But if you can make an assessment and feel pretty good about it, it like if you were selling to me and you come in with a bunch of pie charts and bar graphs and all this analytical data, you'll lose me in a heartbeat. But right. if you come in with a top line and a bottom line, quick in and out, tell me what's in it for me. Mm -hmm. You've got my attention and you have a very high probability of selling. But if you come at a high eye with top and bottom line and, and that's all you've got, they're not going to buy from you. You've got to tell them how good it feels. How it, you know, you've got to be a people uh, person. You've got to be exciting and fun. If you come at me with exciting and fun, you're going to lose me. But a high S person, you know, you've got to talk about how good it feels you know, how you're going to avoid con conflict and all this high C personality. You better have your data together. Uh, you better know what your, what your product is going to do, how it's going to do it. Every minutia of detail that is possibly available, you better have it for them. So by understanding the personalities, you can, you can tailor a, a presentation that's going to match that person, uh, to their personality. And you're going to have a much higher likelihood of closing the deal. You know what? That's informative. And I can tell you that I've noticed in myself, the people who annoy me the most are the ones that ask me 5 million questions about my product. Irritates the crap out of me. Cause I'm like, this is pretty simple person in my head. I'm like, why are you interrogating me for five hours about this $25 product? I mean, are you really that cheap that you don't want to put the money out? I mean, in my head, I'm just like, and, and I've had to learn, you know, I've had to learn to go, hold up, sis, you know, <laughs> and, and that's, you just need a data sheet to hand them. Exactly. And, but even having done that, they, they still torment me with a million more questions. I'm just like, don't you get the story here? Just listen to the story, you know? I mean, the other day, you'll, you'll find this funny. I was at a networking meeting 
And um, I said to the whole group of people, I, I said, um, have you guys ever, have you ever played Duck, Duck, Goose? You no. ever play that when you were a kid? No. No? Never? No. Do you even know what it is? I've heard of it. Oh. Basically, it's it's a kid's game. So people are in a circle, and you walk around, and you go, duck. You tap the kid, and then you walk, and you go, duck. And then and then when you hit the person who's a goose, the goose gets up and run. And they run. And basically, they go, and they try to get somebody else. So you don't want to be a goose, bottom line, okay? Because the goose has to move and do stuff. And so I... I so I stood up at my networking meeting it was a younger crowd and I said I said you know have you guys ever played duck duck goose and they're like most of them said yeah and um so I, I got up and I said duck Aflac picking on Aflac get it because of the duck but whatever anyway I thought it was funny a couple of people did and I duck you know and then eventually I did goose <sighs> And then I said, don't be the goose, people. Don't be one without the will. You know, don't be one without our app to get help. You know, do not be that person. And then I was emphatic about it, rah, you know, and <laughs> it made everybody laugh. I get, and, and here's the thing, though. Uh, right afterwards, I got a membership. Somebody signed up right there pretty much on the spot. And then I was sharing my um, on my legal shield call that I it's accountability call. And these are all leaders who sell the same stuff. And I was just sharing with them, you know, my win of the day, which was that. And I had numerous people afterwards private message me and say, can I use that duck, duck, goose story? You know, that was so good. <laughs> and they even said it on the call. A guy in the business 20 years said, that was so good. I'm going to use it today, this morning at my, at my meeting. So, uh, so anyway, clearly that appealed to people. That would irritate that one person that asked me five million questions about something. I'd be like, what? What's duck, duck, goose have to do with this? Has nothing to do with it, people. And that is right. the point. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, it would, inter it would inter uh, irritate anybody who's a task-oriented person. Yeah, sure it would. But, you know, I mean, when you most of the people you're presenting to are in the boring professions like financial advisor, insurance, and all that. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> Well, the, that wouldn't be it. But the most people, most people who build and are successful in network marketing are people oriented people, not task oriented people. True. You, you're going to use in the disc model. You would be the eyes and the S's people like you. Well, it was a financial advisor that signed up just so you know. Do what? It was, it was actually a financial advisor that signed was up. It? Yeah. Well, <laughs> he has a baby. I though. Most. Yeah. Well, he was young. <laughs> Anyway, hey, Randall, you have any questions for James? Do you? Anybody else have any questions? No, you don't have any? You sure? Go once, people. Hey, we got this expert here. Look at that guy. He can read your mind. Well, maybe. All right. So, Jeannie from Georgia, are you there? Do you have a question for our guests? People ask about the Bible with no intention of following. I don't know what that has to do with this conversation. Uh, okay, I'm not sure what that... There's this weird com. This is a weird comment in the watch fires where the grapes and grass are stored. I have no idea what that means. Huh? I have no idea what that means. Does anybody know what that means? Sounds like a bad, um, a bad um, sort of misquote of the of the lyrics to um, 
Oh, his truth is marching on. But anyway. Oh. But back to you. <laughs> conservative atheist said no. Hey, by the way, conservative atheist, thanks for coming into the show. Uh, we decided to do this show because we knew you were watching today. Yeah, we did. The show on lying. We knew that you'd be here again. Why am I not following you? Now I'm following you. So now you have 449 followers. You're super important. Okay, there you go. So do you have any do you have any questions, conservative atheist, for my my guest James Springer, who is the author of a book about lying? Hey, conservative atheist question. Do you think atheists lie more than Christians? No. <laughs> Just curious. But he's conservative. All right, he says here, thanks, this is my new account. You were following my old account. I was a bad boy. Did I block you before? I probably did because you're a scoundrel, but that's okay. You came back, maybe. Okay, well, c then ask a question. Hurry up, man. Just, like, write super fast. Username Schmoozername has joined the, the thing. No, you don't have a... Oh, you don't think... You, okay, he doesn't think that conservative atheists lie more than Christians, so that's good. They don't. I don't think so. I think most atheists are relatively moral people. I think Christians lie a lot more than a lot of people. You don't know what to ask him. Okay. Well, that's okay. You don't have to ask anybody anything if you don't want. <laughs> the answer is everybody lies equally. Yes. I don't know who he is. He's my guest. Look at that. First of all, he's debonair and handsome for an old guy. And um, let's see, the Mind Hacker's Guide to Detecting Lies is his book. And his other one is the Mind Hacker's Guide to Selling to selling the Science uh, of Easily Ethically Influencing the Human Mind. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, this is my other question. Speaking of that. Okay. So, is it wrong to influence people to, to do stuff that you want them to do? I mean, no. no, you don't think so? Not if it's in their best interest. Okay, so... The whole the whole premise is that it's got to be ethical. Right. Oh, okay. You know, and that's why I put ethical in there. Gotcha. If I'm selling a product that is going to benefit you, then I owe you every opportunity to purchase that product. So then it's my duty to persuade and influence you to make that decision. Okay. I like that. So no, it's not immoral or unethical to ethically persuade you. Okay. I'm, I'm going to chew on that because I feel I don't want it to be a manipulative thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I know um, the media likes to manipulate us all the time. Right. But it, like I say, the whole the whole key to it is ethical, right? Uh, if, if it's ethically done, if it's if it's something that's going to benefit you and truly going to improve your life, then you would want me to do everything in my power to get you to have that product, even if at the time you don't think that you want the product or need the product. If it's truly going to benefit your life, then I owe it to you to to try to get you to take that product. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know what? Number one, if I could sell anything in the world, 
and not have it like be a big problem for most people. You know what it would be? What's that? Um, Andy's frozen yogurt. Andy's frozen <laughs> custard. I love that stuff, man. That's that's super easy to sell. I'd be like, man, this is so good for you, but you're a diabetic, so you can't have any. Just so you know. Right. That sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. does. <laughs> anyway, all right. You I'll, have no idea. I know. I, I do. I do actually have an idea. None of us should be eating it. But... That's right. It's of the devil. Yeah, it is. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, we're going to wind this show up here. I want to say thank you for joining us. James, thanks for being my guest. You've been awesome, as always. Pleasure. And um, you guys, seriously, go to the website, all, the letter N, dot com, okay? All, N, com, dot com. And you can also go to Amazon. You can look up the Mind Hacker's Guide, too. Just put in that. Put James Springer in. Uh, you'll go ahead and you can uh, find his books. Uh, they're still free, right? Oh. Oh, they're not? Nope. Nope. Looks like that. Okay. On Kindle, though. I thought they were free on Kindle. Uh, Kindle, um, Kindle Unlimited or whatever it is. Kindle Unlimited is free. Okay. But yeah, looks like that. Yeah, it's not expensive though. You can just go buy the book, people. Yeah, the Kindle I think is two ninety nine. Oh, I must have got it when it was on sale then for free. It was on sale. Yeah, I did an introductory promotion on it. Okay. Well, people, go spend some money. Okay, buy the books. They're fun to read, and um, and then give James a call and talk to him about it. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, people, that's it. That's our show. All right, so tomorrow night is Saturday. No, Sunday. Tomorrow, Bareface is probably going to talk about something concerning the Bible on Bible News Radio. There. Yep. All right, people, so remember, I always say at the end of every show, be bold, stand up, and go with God because he loves you, and he really does. Yeah, he does, and I hope you have a good day tomorrow. <laughs>